0: All right, let's turn in our Bibles to John 19, and I want to take a moment and pray. Father, this message this morning is so pivotal. It's so pivotal. It is the words that Jesus spoke from the cross, but Lord, these words, Lord, it would take an eternity for us to really get our arms around the depths of their meaning, but I'm praying this morning that through your Holy Spirit's power that you will make them so clear and so simple to people's hearts that they cannot deny what took place on the cross on our behalf. And I thank you, Lord, that's finished. It is finished. There's nothing to be done. Jesus paid it all. He rescued our hearts. And we thank you. We can't, thank you's not even an adequate word, words to say. We just, but we do thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it would be safe to say that Jesus was a man on a mission. Um, if, if, if anyone came to earth with a purpose, it was Jesus. I mean, he he knew exactly what his purpose was. Matter of fact, um, there's a story in um, Luke chapter 2 where Joseph and Mary come to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And they make a pilgrimage from which we believe they've been living in Nazareth, so it was a day's journey into Jerusalem. And, and when it's over, the, the Joseph and Mary family, which was more than them, all travel back to where they're coming from. And on their way back, they realize that Jesus is not with them. All right? Picture home alone. All right? Jesus is not, he is not in the caravan. All right? So they travel all the way back to Jerusalem. Okay? And the Bible tells us that for three days they cannot find him. He's twelve years old, right? Parents, your twelve-year-old, all right? B- Jerusalem was a busy city, every people everywhere. You cannot find your twelve-year-old, and all of a sudden they walk into the temple, and there he is, listening to the to the to the, the teachers teaching. And Mary and Joseph are distressed, as you can imagine. And Mary walks over to Jesus and she says, Son, why have you done this to us? We have been searching frantically all over for you. And Jesus looks at her and he goes, why? Now, remember, he's the Son of God, okay? He says these words to her. He says, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? At the age of 12, the Bible tells us that Jesus had complete clarity on his purpose in life. Now, I tell you what, I know a lot of people that struggle with the issue of purpose, with struggle with the issue of just what is it that I'm here to do? What's my mission in life? Why did God create me? What, what's my purpose? And wouldn't it be great for all of us to be able to say that, that I know why God put me on earth. I know my purpose in life. God gave me a mission and I'm living it out. And wouldn't it be even more amazing to, to be able to come to the end of your life And to be able to say, I believe that I've accomplished everything that God created me to do on this earth. I mean, I knew my God given purpose, and through God's power and strength, and through just to the very best of my abilities, I've completed the work that God gave me to do. Well, on the cross, at the age of 33 and a half, Jesus was able to say with complete assurance, with complete confidence, with full truthfulness. With the sixth statement of the cross, my work on earth is finished. Jesus was able to say, it is finished. God sent his son on a mission. He sent his son with a a very clear purpose, and Jesus completed it, and he completed it perfectly. I want you to listen to how the apostle John describes this moment. In John 19, verse 18, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all of this was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And Paul talked about this moment of distress that Jesus had on the cross and how these words really set up what he was about to say next. And it says that a jar of uh, full of sour wine stood there and so they put a, a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and they held it to its mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. The words it is finished, are real, Just they're amazing words. Because everything that we need to bring us hope, to bring us strength, to bring us confidence, to bring us assurance in this lifetime is packed into those three words. However, what we need to realize in reality, those three words are really just one word. The ancient Greeks had a knack for being able to say much with very little when Jesus said the words, it is finished, he spoke with a loud voice, he cried out with a loud voice one word, Tetelestai. Charles Haddon Spurgeon says this one word, this one Greek word, would need all the other words that were ever spoken or can be spoken to explain it. It is altogether immeasurable. It is too high, I cannot attain to it. It is too deep, I cannot fathom it telestai means to be completed to be accomplished in other words jesus had finished his work on uh, that his father had sent him to accomplish jesus died with no regrets he didn't have some deathbed experience where he looked back on his life with his family around him and he said you know something like boy if i could only have done a little bit more of this if i could only have done this better or said these words or only if i would have not done that when Jesus said, it is finished, the job was done. And it was done perfectly. Erwin Lutzer says, in shouting, Te, uh, Jesus gave the most triumphant cry in all of human history. He affirmed that he had successfully completed a great and mighty work. His life on earth closed, not as a failure, but... as as the culmination of an eternal plan. The script had been written before Bethlehem, and now the curtain was about to close with everything in its place. And so the big question for all of us this morning is, what was finished? What exactly happened at this moment? What was accomplished? Well, in a very practical sense, the suffering was over. The false accusations, the, the death threats, the ridicule from the religious world, that was all finished. As we mentioned a few mo- weeks ago, his disciples, his closest friends, had, had professed loyalty to him and then turned his back on him when he, when he needed them the most. Judas betrayed him, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Peter denied knowing him. The rest of the disciples ran out of the garden of Gethsemane after he was arrested. They just abandoned him. That was all finished. The beatings, think about this, the beatings, the scourgings, the crown of thorns, the pain and the humiliation of, of having to carry a cross through, through a, a, a busy city as people are mocking and insulting him, the, the spikes being driven through his wrist and his feet, the, the, the crucifixion, the actual separation from God's presence, six hours of hanging on a cross just desperately trying to breathe, that was finished, the suffering was over. The ultimate sacrifice was made. In the Old Testament, priests would make sacrifices for sin. And they believed, and so did the the Jewish people. They believed as well that regardless of how many animals were killed, how much blood was shed and sprinkled over the altar, how how many prayers were prayed, that their work was never completely finished. Matter of fact, when a priest was on duty in the temple, when a Levitical priest was... when it was his job to work in the temple, as a symbol to the fact... That their work was never done. They never sat down. They, they, they could make sacrifices all day. But they knew that something was not quite right. It was never quite right. The sacrifice was never enough. Sin was being covered, but it was not completely being taken away. In the Old Testament, priests, priests made sacrifices for sin. But when Jesus went to the cross, he became both priest and sacrifice. Hebrews chapter nine verse 26 says, "But now, once for all time, he appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice." In ancient times when something was purchased in full and there was no debt outstanding, the word "Tetaleste," paid in full, was written on the bill. On the cross, the entire debt of sin was paid. Nothing more had to be done justice was served whereas we should have been hanging on the cross paying for our own sin a substitute hung on our behalf sin was paid in full all of my sins were placed on jesus on the cross all of your sins were placed on jesus on the cross god's justice demanded sacrifice for sin jesus was the sacrifice Now i don't know about you but I still struggle with sin. I mean, there, there are moments where, where my flesh plays havoc with me. I can be selfish. I can be prideful. I can be a jerk. I know some of you may be struggling to believe that. My wife is sitting right over here. You're welcome to ask her. She's a very honest woman. Um, there are moments, but, but you know what? Listen, thankfully... Thankfully, my acceptance, my acceptance is in, in God's eyes is not based on me and it's not based on my performance. It's based solely on what Jesus did on my behalf. If you remember from a few weeks ago, we had a, we had a huge cross up here on stage and we gave you a visual picture of what took place on the cross when God, the Father, basically for three hours abandoned the Son. He who, who... Was, had no sin, who was perfect, went to the cross. I put a white shirt up there. He became our sin. I put a muddy shirt up there so that we could be clothed in righteousness, so that when God sees us, he doesn't see, he doesn't see our righteousness, he sees the righteousness of Jesus on us. He looks at us and he sees that, he sees what Jesus accomplished on the cross. That's what God has done for us. Every year, the Jewish people they observe a, a very special day called Yom Kippur. It's it, it's the Day of Atonement. This year, it's going to be on September twenty twenty six. It is, it is the most holy of days. It's a day that they set aside for repentance, prayer, and fasting. It is it's the day of the year where they get things right with God. Now, in ancient days, a priest would he would put his hand on a goat, and he would he would confess the sins of the nation of Israel onto that goat he would legally, the sins would be legally transferred onto the goat. Then they would take the goat and they would lead the goat, okay, they would lead the goat out into the wilderness and they would turn the goat loose, never to be seen again. When Jesus went to the cross, your sins were legally transferred onto him. When the sacrifice was made and Jesus announced it was finished, Atonement for sin was made. You were given a pardon. You were given an opportunity for a fresh start. Because of Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says that God has made a pronouncement. He has made a pronouncement upon his people, upon his children, upon those who know Jesus as their personal Savior. This is what he has said. He has pronounced this. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. That ha- those words have been pronounced over you by God, the Father, the Creator of the universe. For those of us that know Christ as our personal Savior, the sacrifice was made. Also, Satan was defeated. When Jesus said it was finished, Satan was defeated. Now, imagine if you could, if we could just get a cosmic view. Of what was going on all around the cross at the moment that this was going on. Imagine if you could, just if you had a, back at the time, had a video camera that could just give you a cosmic view of what was taking place at the cross. Let me tell you who was there Satan was there, God was there, Jesus was there, Jesus' friends and his many, some of his friends' relatives were there, but I was there, and so were you. And Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to a cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing, triumphing over them in him. Paul says at the cross we were spiritually dead in our sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us that that the price for sin is death. We had a debt that we could not pay, but Jesus took that debt upon himself and he canceled the debt by nailing it to a cross. Every secret sin, every public sin that has ever been ever, that has ever happened was nailed to the cross. And so when Jesus said Tedeleste paid in full. The penalty credit to us was canceled. Nothing more had to be done at that moment. Nothing. However, the Bible tells us that Satan is a liar, he is a deceiver, and he is an accuser, and he continues to lie to you that there is no possible way, regardless of what you have, just, regardless of what this word said. There's no possible way that you could ever receive God's forgiveness. There is no way that what Jesus did for you was truly not enough. More has to be done. God really can't be trusted. Somehow God, in the moment of you, he has left you and he has abandoned you. But Revelations chapter 12 verse 10 tells us that Satan also stands as our accuser. Not just as a liar and a deceiver, he's also an accuser. And not only does he constantly try to remind you of your sins and tell you that that, that, that what God has done could never be enough, but he accuses you of your sin before God. He's like a prosecutor that walks into a courtroom and he stands before a judge armed with pile after pile after pile after pile of evidence and he brings charge after charge after charge after charge against us. But I want you to see what Colossians chapter 2 says about what Jesus did for us. It says in verse 15 that Jesus disarmed the principalities and the powers and he made a public spectacle of them. Paul says, at the cross, when Jesus said it was finished, Satan was disarmed. His case was thrown out of court. He was disbarred. Jesus turned he and his army of followers into a laughing stock. When Jesus said it was finished, God made a public spectacle of Satan in front of the whole world. It happened at that very moment. But I want to tell you something. He didn't walk out of the courtroom and give up. The fight still rages on. And even if you're a child of God, Satan can't claim you any longer as one of his own. But here's what he's going to try to do. He wants to destroy you with guilt. He wants to, to overwhelm you with such fear so that you walk through this life feeling powerless and helpless. Some of you feel that way right now. You look back at your past and you go, there's no way that this could be enough to cover that. There's no way that what I'm doing right now at this moment could ever be forgiven. And we walk through this life as paupers, powerless, helpless, feeling that somehow or another we've got to earn something that we could never earn on our best day. Listen, we still fight against Satan, but you need to understand something. The fight is fixed. The the outcome has already been determined. And guess what? We win. It's it's, It's already been determined. When Jesus said it is finished, the fight was over. Satan was defeated. Also, salvation in heaven were secured for sinners. Salvation in heaven was secured for sinners. Now, I know that there are a lot of people that struggle with the issue of eternal security. We know that once we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ to be our personal Savior, our past sins were forgiven. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 tells us that he has forgiven us of our sins. But what about the present and future sins? What about those sins? I mean, what, what about the sins that, you, that you're going to commit this week? What about the sins that, that you're going to commit over the next years? How many of those sins are forgiven? All of them. All of them. See, if that were not true, then we, that we could never be secure in our salvation. We could never be sure of heaven. We would always wonder whether we're in or out, whether we're out. We would never know. So what do we do with those present and future sins? Do we keep sin? No. We confess them. We confess them. We don't confess them to maintain our eternal security. We confess them to maintain our fellowship with God. We've talked about the issue of repentance before, which means to change your mind. It's a change of mind that is so powerful that it causes you to turn from your sin and turn to God. And at the moment of repentance, what happens? Let me tell you what happens. Intimacy is restored. Fellowship is renewed. Things are made right. And here's the thing. You don't have to wait till Sunday morning to come to church to make things right with God, to confess and repent of your sin. You can do it as soon as it happens. At the moment that you sin and you know that you've sinned, you just repent, you confess it. And you think about this for a moment. When in light of everything that we've talked about over the last six weeks, and what Jesus accomplished was, why would we ever want to be out of fellowship with God for even a moment? Why would we want to continue to walk in sin when we know, that our sin grieves the heart of God, when we, we know it causes us to be out of fellowship, when we know that there are consequences to, to sinful choices? We talked a few weeks ago about how, how the issue of how God, as a very loving Father, He disciplines those He loves. He, he, he loves us. He's a loving Father. But everything He does is for, it's for our good and for His glory. See, the great thing is, we don't have to live out of fellowship with God. And we, we truly know, if we, if we know Jesus as Savior, we truly know Him as Savior, we don't have to worry whether or not we're in or out because Jesus said it is finished. Salvation and heaven are secured for believers once and for all. We have been acquitted completely and forever. The job has been done. and We talked a, a moment ago about how an Old Testament priest, when he was on duty in the temple, he would never sit down. And it symbolized how The reason, because the work was never done. I want you to listen to one of my favorite places in in, in Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, it tells us that when this priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as a once and for all sacrifice of sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, verse 14, it says, By that one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That means that the work is finished. The priest has sat down. Nothing can be added to it. So I want you to think about your sin for a moment. I want you to think about your sin. For some of you, you might want to just write it down. You may have to turn your back to your spouse and write it like this. But I want you, I want you to think about your, your sin. And then I want you to write over it, paid in full. Write your sin down, think about it, paid in full. Some of you in this room, you've had an abortion. You're a woman and you struggle with the guilt of that. Maybe you're a man and you, had, you were part of that whole situation. Can I tell you something? When Jesus said, Tedeleste, paid in full. Some of you in this room, you are struggling with lust, you are struggling with pornography. Tedeleste, paid in full. Some of you are struggling with lying. You're struggling with cheating. Paid in full. Some of you have been through a painful divorce and you, you just live in your mind with the, con, you, just the consequences and you feel like a failure. Can I tell you something? Paid in full. Some of you in this room, you have, you have been through an adulterous situation and you are reminded constantly over and over again about the choice you made and you feel that somehow or another God will never let you off the hook for that. Paid in full. Some of you have a criminal background in here. And you look at yourself and you go, I'm a failure. I made this choice. Can I tell you something? Paid in full. Some of us are just selfish. We're prideful. We have prideful behavior. Paid in full. Some of us are out of fellowship with God. We don't love him with our whole heart, soul, and mind. Paid in full. Listen, the sin of unbelief and rejecting Jesus... When you repent of this sin and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you put all of your faith and all of your trust in Him alone to get you to heaven, you can take a big stamp and you can put it across past, present, and future sins paid in full. I want you to think for a moment about how many religions and how many denominations and how many how many belief systems try to add to the finished work of Jesus. That somehow or another there's there's more to be done. Listen, the way to heaven is through Jesus and Jesus alone. The way to receive forgiveness of sin and salvation is through Jesus and Jesus alone. We desperately we so desperately want to add to grace. Because it's so difficult. Grace is so difficult for us to get our minds around. We just think it can't be that. It just can't be. Listen. The reason it's so amazing. The reason that it's so um, wondrous is, is, is is because we can't get our minds around it. And that's what makes this moment on the cross when Jesus said it is finished. That's what makes this moment so beyond wonderful. Because it was paid. It was done. And then finally... The payment for sin was actually accepted. When Jesus cried Teteleste, something miraculous happened. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, it says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. Now I want you to understand something about the temple for a moment. There was a curtain that hung in the temple, and the curtain was was thick. It was made of woven fabric. It was 60 feet high and 30 feet long. And behind that curtain was the most holy place in the temple. It was called the Holy of Holies. A priest was only allowed to go behind that curtain once a year. It's called the Day of Atonement. We talked about that a moment ago. That curtain that separated the holy place in the temple. Okay? There was a holy place in the temple, and then there was the absolute most holy place in the temple. All right? That curtain that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. at this moment, was now gone. It was torn in two. And it wasn't just a tear. It was torn from top to bottom. You say, why is this so significant? Because it means that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for our sin. Payment was made. And as a result of that, this is cool, we have full access into the presence of God. That means, listen, that means we don't have to sit down with a priest. You don't have to schedule an appointment with me to confess your sins. You following now? You don't, there's the barrier of our sin that was used to be there is gone once and for all. Hebrews says now we can draw close to the throne room of God. We can walk into God's presence. We can walk into the Holy of Holies and we can make our requests known. We can confess our sins. We can have deep, intimate fellowship with the God of the universe. Listen, I want you to imagine, again, just standing at the cross for that moment. I want you to imagine just all that was going on. The Bible tells us that the sky went completely black. An earthquake took place at this moment. Rocks are splitting in half. John goes on and tells us that tombs were opening up. Bodies were coming up out of the grave. Dead people were walking around presenting themselves to people in Jerusalem. Think about that for a moment. There's some craziness going on here in the Bible. And at this very moment, John tells us that a Roman centurion, a Roman guard... After being part of the beating and watching Jesus in the hole, I mean, we, know, we don't know how much, you know, of all that this guy was involved in, but he looks up at Jesus as he's experiencing all that's going on, and he just says, truly, this was the Son of God. I mean, come on. Truly, th- this was the Son of God. It was truly finished. So what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us? Very simple. It's finished. It's finished. Jesus paid for sin in full. Nothing can be added. Matter of fact, if we try to add to it by our rituals and by our good works and by trying harder or feeling that somehow or another we've got to earn it, we actually subtract from it. Erwin Lutzer says to add to Jesus' gift is to destroy it altogether. God does not want our worthiness, but he wants our willingness to accept Christ's payment on our behalf. One of my favorite movies of all times is a movie called Saving Private Ryan. There's a, there's a moment in this movie that I think is a great example of what so many people try to do to, to, to gain salvation and forgiveness. In the movie, Tom Hank, Hanks plays a, a guy by the name of Captain John Miller, and he has been commissioned, he and his team, to go after a soldier who is in the midst of the war. His name is Private James Ryan. Two of his brothers have already died in the war and and they've already been killed in action and the top brass of the military want Private Ryan out of the war and they want him sent back home to his mother. Tom Hanks and his men eventually rescue him. But Hanks' character dies in the process. And there's this moment in the movie where, where Tom Hanks is looking at Matt Damon who played Private James Ryan and he says to him these words, he says, earn it, earn it. And in the final scene of this movie, we see this family walking across this cemetery, which we believe is off the shores of Normandy. There's all these white crosses everywhere. And this older man, decades later now, is walking through, very solemnly, through this cemetery. And he comes to this place where he comes to the the grave of, of Captain John Miller. And Ryan collapses in tears on the grave of the man who saved him. And he is tormented at this moment by the fact that he has not done enough in his life to earn this type of sacrifice. And some of you, some of you, you feel that way right now. You feel that somehow or another you have to earn it. But you gotta listen to me. You can never do enough to earn God's gift of forgiveness, we could never earn reconciliation. We could never earn new life. We could never earn eternal life. It's already been done for us. It was accomplished on the cross by Jesus. When Jesus said it is finished, the offering for sin was made once and for all. Jesus did in six hours what no human being could do in all of eternity. Sin was paid in full. It was accomplished. It was enough. It was enough at that very moment. So, what do I do with this? What do I do with this gift, this free gift that's been given to me, that's being offered to me at this very moment? You receive it by faith. No, i got to do something else. No, you receive it by faith. You may be saying, listen, I'm not worthy for a gift like that. Exactly. Exactly. That's why it's called grace. That's why it's called Grace. And some of you in this room, this moment, my prayer is that at this moment, this has been made so clear to you that you're just going, oh, Lord, I want this. I can't earn it. Past, present sin, paid in full. What do I do with this? Receive it by faith. Receive it by faith. I want you to bow your head for a moment. God, my prayer at this moment is that the Holy Spirit has taken, Lord, my feeble efforts to explain all of this. And because of the power of your word and and the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, has made it clear enough that those who are at this very moment lost without Jesus could receive this free gift of salvation. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to feel worthy enough. We'll never never get there. But receive it by faith through grace. That's who you are this morning. I just want to just pray with you. I want to lead you there if I can. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your personal Savior, if the debt has never been paid, if paid in full has never been stamped across your life, Past, present, and future. I want to just ask you to pray with me at this very moment. Just say, Jesus, when you said it was finished, I believe it. At this very moment, Lord, I just, I repent of the sin of unbelief and rejecting Jesus. And Lord, every other sin that I've ever committed, Lord, I just, I put it at the cross. There's nothing that I could do to ever cover this or to take it away. It all happened at the moment when Jesus said it was finished. And so at this very moment, Lord, even though I I don't deserve it, I receive God's free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And I put all of my faith and all of my trust at this very moment in what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross. And I don't know how to thank you enough But I thank you and I just Help me to take the next step In Jesus name With head still bowed Listen if you just prayed that prayer We want to help you to take that next step You were handed a communication card As you walked through the door I want you just to put your info on there There's a box that says this morning I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my personal savior Would you take that to the help center We want to help you to take your next step now the rest of you I want you to look at me for a moment here's the crazy thing about what so many of us try to do we get to the cross and we receive forgiveness and we receive salvation and we receive and then we walk away from the cross thinking I'm not worried you know I gotta earn this I gotta earn I gotta I, listen paid in full means that you have been accepted okay in God's eyes you are righteous because of Jesus alright We walk through this world feeling, because of our enemy, because of just the the beat down of just living in this world, feeling powerless and feeble and helpless and hopeless. You have been made, because of Jesus, victorious. You are, the Bible says you are an overcomer. And my challenge to you is to start living like it. Rest in the love of God. Walk in his acceptance of you. Walk in his love that he's lavished upon you. And then share this with others. This amazing gift that we could never, I mean, think about this, this. is what God's done for us through Jesus. Why would we want to hold this back? Share this with others. And so listen, you can focus, say, Lord, put a family on my heart. Put a, put, a, put a person on my heart. Put a neighbor, put a relative that desperately needs to hear this message. I don't, I don't want them to miss this. And bring them back with you next week. Bring them back with you next week. Aren't you think, Can you? Think, I mean, aren't you glad it's finished? There's no nothing more to do. We're not worthy even on our best day. Jesus said it's finished. It's finished. <laughs> Amen. We're gonna take communion now. Amazing time of worship. I hope that you have a great Easter week. We look forward to seeing you all next Sunday. Paul, come on up if you would.